Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Oh, it's saving the spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right over there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Coming in your ear holes on this beautiful day. One day closer to deer season. But today we're talking turkeys with Garrett. We're talking specifically how to reap birds. Um, he has killed multiple turkeys over the years, reaping something that I have never done. I've tried a couple of times with no success. It is turkey time. We do very few podcasts other than deer podcast on here. He just successfully killed one um, second season here in Illinois. Um, the first day reaping with some incredible footage. So I want to have him on here and talk about that. But first, let's get into the people that make this possible. Starting off with Exodus Outdoor Gear. Um, guys, the new rival's out. Um, it's it's pumping. My Exodus update for the week is I got two rivals out. They're both ripping. Um, both hooked the solar panels. One's on a monitoring trail for trespassers and to see how much the neighbor used this four-wheeler trail that's actually on the private landowner's property. And they use it a ton. Um, and the deer the deer population is low there because the pressure is high. But that's good good info to know. So I will be moving that cam on a scrape here um, in the middle of the summer sometime and start getting that summer velvet scrape activity. I'm just out there letting it run, monitoring to make sure the logger don't go up in there and get any trees. I'm also going to run the second one on an inside pinch. Just get it set up out there with the solar panel ripping so I don't have anything to worry about. Um, when it comes time to actually get the intel off that cam um, where they're pinching around the lake, going to an ag source. So that is my Exodus update. Um, but in April, they still have the trade-in program going. So if you have a cam sitting around that doesn't work, it's bro broken or worthless, you can trade it in for a new cam at ExodusOutdoorGear.com. You can use code UPGRADE to save 25% on any Exodus render, rental bundle, rival, or rival bunder. After placing your order, the Exodus team will send you a return label for your trade-in camera. After receiving the camera, they will ship you your full order. So basically, you get on there, use the code upgrade. They're going to send you a shipping label. You're going to send them that junk cam, and then they're going to send you your product. Um, and that product, even with the 25% off, you're still going to get that five-year warranty, that five-year theft and damage coverage, and best-in-class customer service. 
I've been using Exodus for the last five years, and they've proven to be the, the most dependable cam that I've ever had. And I've had problems with two cams, and I, I've had new cams within a week within that using that five-year warranty. So just blown away by all that. All right, well, let's get into the episode with Garrett. All right, well, we got Garrett on the line. What is up, brother? How you doing tonight? Doing great, my friend. I, you know, I feel a little spicy. I thought I might get a Bud Light, but I decided not. <laughs> get a little crazy. I've been on yeah. the I've been on the Mountain Dew uh, liquor, so I mean that's just as bad. I think <laughs> that Mountain, oh, that new hard yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing tough about that at all. But it's still oh. tougher than Bud Light, 100. <laughs> percent Well, for sure. You're you're talking to a completely converted silver bullet boy now. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, well, anyway, I, we're talking turkeys. Huh? Yeah, I know. I just, on the intro, I said that we don't do very many episodes that aren't deer related. Um, but it is turkey time in the woods. And this is something that I have no skill doing. I have never done. And you've done like every year since I known you multiple times. Um, so I wanted to have you on and talk about reaping turkeys. Um, it's something that I think is was getting pretty popular and then you kind of stopped hearing a lot about of it. You know, there like four or five years ago, it seems like everybody was doing it and now it doesn't seem to be as popular, but for you, it's like huge success. Yeah. I, so I think a, a little reason why it's kind of fallen off a, a bit is there's, there's been whispers that it's going to be deemed like illegal. I think that would be in some States or in some places and like, for for safety purposes it it's kind of like doing deer drives on public land is it illegal no but it's kind of frowned upon um and and i i enjoy it for a a lot of reasons but um the big one for me is as much as i hunt dude i am impatient like and i hate to admit that and so for me to be able to reap turkeys it uh, i'm still hunting but i uh, but i'm actively hunting rather than setting up and and coaxing them in you know what i mean yeah you get to hear where they're at and and make a move on them and visual or visually see them and make a move on them and i know that's kind of how you do it but uh before we get too deep into it do a brief introduction of who you are i know that uh, you've been on here multiple times but maybe someone's tuning in for the turkey episode and don't know yeah well uh, again thanks for having me on name's carabolkis um Born and raised here in, in Illinois. I am the owner and operator of Last Breath Media. Um, you can find all of our stuff on YouTube or on social media. Um, you know, it, it's our little company has changed quite a bit over the last several months, as, as many folks have. But we're still producing content. We're going to have some pretty cool stuff coming up for turkey season. And, um, yeah, you can find me anywhere on, on Facebook instagram youtube you name it yeah i mean you're uh you're out there just absolutely destroying turkeys and the footage that i got to see today is just insanely good really really cool um so i can't wait to see that but like i mentioned you guys have been doing this for years like you've been reaping turkeys forever it seems like ever since i first met you um yep but let's get into we're gonna break this down into kind of two segments we're gonna talk about why we think do you think it works and then how you're so successful how you set it up so let's start breaking down the why that you think it's so successful all right well i'm i'm a student of the game and so i think it's important to kind of understand uh, a turkey's life cycle or maybe mindset better off in the spring and so like I've educated myself in the past to be able to really understand uh, what a turkey's body language means, to understand what turkey vocalization means, but also just like some some interesting stuff to note, like our our turkey season in the Midwest, you know, it's usually about a five week window for all general purposes. And so with that, you, you have to understand that within those five weeks there is a lot of changes that happen with the turkey rut if you will or a lot of people refer to it as the strut so first off a hen really only needs to get bred once so she needs her eggs to be fertilized a single time so some a lot of people don't know this and they think that a hen will actually get bred every day before she lays 
but that's actually not true. And so a hen will lay nine to 18, maybe even up to 20 eggs in, in this spring period. And she'll lay an egg about once every 24 to 32 hours. But, but again, that being said, she only needs to be topped by a tom one time. And she usually will only lay for a tom one time. So these turkeys are, are hyper competitive because even though there might be, you know, let's say 30, 30 hens in the flock that you hunt, you know, there's five weeks that you hunt them, but those hens only need to be, you know, there's only 30 times that those hens can be bred. And so it's, it's really competitive. And, and what you need to think about too, is that it's going to be competitive throughout the entire duration. So the other thing that's kind of interesting is that turkeys really generally speaking, have a pretty small home range and they actually, they actually, there's, there's been studies done to, that make scientists believe that they actually know who's kind of who. Even though turkeys look very similar, they're, they're social animals just like you know, white tails are, for example. And, and there's a pecking order, but they also kind of know who's in the flock. So going with that background knowledge, you know, okay, a hen only gets bred once and, and she's going to go lay her eggs every day, no matter what. She's going to roost regularly, but keep in mind she only gets bred a time in the spring and then the fact that you know that the toms and the hens really kind of know who's who in the area you take that into consideration and that gives you an edge if you are reaping as a like subordinate gobbler from the next range over and what does that mean that means okay so for a hen her job is to to keep the species going so she's going to be interested in any kind of outside blood if so to speak right it's just instinctively in her job to try to to get bred by the most dominant gobbler to produce the most you know healthy chicks for the spring and sometimes that might mean an outside source and then controversially those toms don't want anybody stepping on their harem so when you you take this information and you put it together it allows you, whether you run a decoys or especially like the way that I do when you're reaping them, it gives you that advantage of, of really triggering that aggressive response. You know, whether it's immediately aggressive from the tom or you're triggering the response because you have curiosity out of the hens. So the hens approach you and now that tom's like, no way, man, these are, these are my hens. Yeah, I'm, I've seen it with that, the decoy that you use that, you know, the tom decoy um, you have it set up um, extremely well, and I think you should break that down into the how point uh, as well. But yeah. um, that bird was extremely aggressive with that decoy, and we, you know, we weren't even reaping; it was just staged out there. Um, and I think he was just trying to come into and investigate. And I feel like a lot of people say, "Well, the bird hung up at sixty yards, or the bird hung up at seventy yards," and I feel like that's what that bird would have done. That decoy would have been down there, but he looked like a buck just head down, running right in there, you know? Looked like a oh, damn yeah. ostrich out there, just head, neck out, strutting right in, about to, to mess him up, you know? And um, that's something that I haven't had. Most of the time they come in kind of docile, half strut, then they're in full strut. And now, you know, they're trying to fill out the situation. Um, but with that decoy, he just ripped right in. Um, and I think there's an added element to your decoy that helps in the success, um, for sure. But I know people like phantom as well, just phantom. Yeah. So, um, yep. it's, it, it blows me away that a turkey can see so good and realize mo movement so good, but they're in the moment of, I want to, you know, their aggression so high that they're just not really aware of what they got going on. They just know that there's a bird out there that they want to go beat up. <laughs> well, I, when I first started reaping turkeys, all I, all I had was a fan and it worked, it worked okay, but boy, it is, it's unforgiving, right? Like you can get away with it, especially if you have the terrain on your side, or if there's a lot of vegetation, like, um, taller grass later on in the season and stuff. But when you're wanting to, to reap a, a turkey and, and like, so an example is this past weekend, it was in a, it was in a cut bean field. I mean, it, that bean field was flat as a pancake that I reaped that turkey in. Um, and I was able to, I, I literally crawled out probably 60 yards from the timber edge and had a whole group of turkeys out there and that Tom broke off to me. 
I do not think I would have been able to do that with just a fan. There's no, no way. Yeah, when we when I've tried reaping turkeys, it was just with a fan, and uh, we didn't seem to have very good success. They would look at it. They wouldn't spook, but it wouldn't be like that straight line charge like you're getting with your decoy. So we kind of went into the, the why of it. These turkeys, are they're super aggressive at this time of year. They can only breed so many times, and they're they're thinking that there is just like a buck, there's a, a subdominant buck or a subdominant turkey in this case in their area that they're going to run off so it doesn't breed one of his hens. Because he, he kind of, I'm assuming the most dominant bird's got a pretty good feel on his hens, you know, in the area. Um, and that's yep. why you don't see Jake's breeding a lot of uh, deer, or, or sorry, <laughs> Jake's breeding a lot of, uh, you know, hens, same thing as a small buck breeding a doe you know the the more dominant bucks are gonna have it just like the more dominant turkeys or the the older turkeys i suppose Um, right and i think like i said the other thing to remember too is because you you've all you've hunted turkeys and you've seen where you'll have like it'll be it'll be right in the middle of season there'll be two or three gobblers that, that are together right and you're like these guys should hate each other but that's where these studies show like that these these gobblers know who's who right so you've got even even studies have shown that they're they're like cousins, if you will, like once removed from the bloodline, not necessarily brothers per se, but but they're from that same family unit and they'll stick together because I'm sure you, Cody, you've called in, you know, a pair of toms before oh, yeah. or two or three and they come and they beat up the, the decoy. Well, that's because like, hey, man, you're on our turf. This is this is my zone. Right. So, um, again, it's it's just. It's interesting because like you said, these, these animals are smart enough to know who's in, in their flock, but then you can fool them sometimes with something just as simple as a fan. <laughs> yeah. I know that it seems like when you do call in two or three, at least in my experience, the first one there is the most aggressive on the decoys. Like he's ready to go. And a lot of times the other one will kind of hang back and just strut in a circle um, cause he's probably afraid to get his butt whooped too, you know, um, sometimes mm-hmm. they do gang up on them, but most of the times I've seen the first one there is normally the, maybe not the, the biggest beard or the, you know, the biggest spur Tom, but like the most aggressive, um, Tom to the, to the, to the decoys. But, um, the best, the best is the lone solo Tom, like, you know, like we encountered, that's the absolute best you can get, especially in this situation, but, uh, a pack of them you would have to really be picky on not shooting your decoy. (laughs) Oh, for (laughs) sure. You don't want to make another one of those. So um, since we're talking about go ahead and break down your decoy setup and what you use for reaping, and then we'll get into how you do it. Yep. So uh, my my decoy has evolved a bit. You know, like I said earlier, I I have done it with with just a fan. Um, And then that turned into kind of like a a shield-style decoy. So ADNX has... It's kind of like a decoy, kind of like a, a upgraded wall mount. I don't even know what it's called per se, but it's like a two-dimensional um, strut turkey. And then you slip a fan in that. And that worked better, right? It gave me a head. It gave me some some more volume to the turkey, but it still wasn't quite enough. And then um, years ago, I, I decided to go full-blown. And I actually took um, one of the first turkey decoys I ever got. is a Primo's Peeping Tom one of those hard plastic uh, strutter decoys, I case skinned a tom that I had shot. So like you would a coyote or a a raccoon, uh, which is, it's hard to do. Let me tell you right now, first thing, skinning out a turkey is way different than (laughs) than anything else. So I case skinned this turkey out and I got some tanning solution from vandykestaxidermy.com and I tanned the, the feathers, the skin of this bird. And then I also saved the wings. Um, I took the, all the meat out of the wings and dried them out with borax and salt and did the fan. And then when this, when the hide was tanned, I stretched it over this decoy. And I did have to make a couple relief cuts here and there, but it, for the most part, it pulled right over it. And then, uh, so, so test fit it, took it off, rubbed glue all over the decoy, pulled the, the hide back on. And then I, I pinned the wings on. And when I did that too, I also, I, I stuffed foam in between the body cavity and the wings to kind of give it a little more dimension. And then 
obviously I used a re regular tail fan in where the tail fan goes. So once I got that done, I was like, wow, this looks halfway decent. I then made a cage for the decoy to sit on because a lot of your decoys, right, just run off of a one stake system. Well, that's, that's difficult because when you're reaping, you want to be able to just set the decoy down. So I have a leg system that I made just out of welding rod and put it together and then zip tied that to the hard plastic decoy. And lastly, I, I fixed um, a grip in the back of it. So that way, when you're carrying it or when you're crawling around with it, you can move it a little bit easier. And, and that was how Teddy the Terminator was created, the Franken decoy that I've reaped a whole bunch of turkeys with and so have other people. So the the wings are they're fanned out like full strut as well. So they're giving you that extra, you know, cover as well because you've had two people behind it and killed turkeys or three even three people, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. in, in a row, yeah, in a row. And like he's not oversized, but boy, I'll tell you what, it just having that full size turkey really has allowed me to get away. And it's it's to the point where like if 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 you're by yourself and you stay low and stay small, man, you can, like I said, the footage will be a test to this. Um, last Saturday, I mean, I literally just scooted right across this bean field and it was, and I mean, it's, it's flat and you know what a bean field looks like when it's picked. It's yeah. bare dirt and two inch bean stubble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so uh, do, do you need that? I don't know. Are you know, maybe not everybody's as crazy as I am that I pretty much fully mounted a decoy. Um, to, to do this, but I will, I think it's an opportunity now to kind of talk about one thing that I do to either my like decoys that I set out or like this one, and that's the coloration of the head. So uh, gobbler body language is something you kind of need to read when you're reaping, because that really tells you how much you can push it and when you should or shouldn't. And so like head color and the snood are two things that are, are, when you're getting inside that like hundred yard bubble, especially the 50 yard bubble, when you can see them that you want to make sure you're noticing. So a white head on a Turkey is, is my favorite kind, honestly, because it just means that that Turkey is cool as a cucumber. He's calm, not worked up. He's, he's good to go. And then you've kind of got their traditional like red, white, and blue pattern that goes through it. You know, so those light blues and light reds and pinks. That's kind of like what I would consider a normal turkey. Like a lot of times when you see them in strut and they're with their hens, they're kind of worked up. They're like puffed up, you know, and, and you'll see that, that, like I said, red, white, and blue spectrum. That's another good color to look. And then you've got like the blood red head. And that can be good when you're reaping, but it can also be bad. More times than not, if I see a really red head, I don't like to see that because that means a turkey's in alarm and he's very upset. And I would rather have the turkey be more calm than upset. And and that's that's just based on my experience. More of the birds that I have coming running straight in are running like the red, white, and blue head rather than the scarlet red head. I very rarely have had them. And I bet if you if you watch a lot of turkey hunting and you watch these episodes, even those episodes where the guys have two or three birds come in and just flog the hell out of the decoy, their heads are not beat fire engine red and so that's something to notice like if you're coming up on a turkey and maybe he hasn't charged that decoy yet and you notice that his head is really red that's a good sign just to, okay i need to stop what i'm doing because he doesn't like something and then getting closer yet especially if you're a decoy hunter like a setup hunter that snood the snood is a piece of skin that hangs over the beak when it's super long and floppy that's perfect Gobbler is not in any way, shape or form. He is good to go when he kind of gets like a lot of times when they'll get in a strut, it'll shrink up a little bit, but it'll still be hanging across their beak. That's, that's, you know, still normal, normal. I like it when it's like long and floppy. That sounded bad. Don't, somebody's going to sound <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. And then, but, but you'll notice this, like if you get a turkey close enough, when that, and that snood gets stiff and sticks straight up, um, it'll it'll shrink right up and it'll point like at a 45 degree angle. That's another tell, like the gig is up, like that bird's getting ready to get out of there. So when you're when you're reaping, keep 
keep mind of that. So getting into my decoy, why I explained all that, especially with the head color, is that I I tweak the head colors on my decoys. I just, you know, grab some rattle cans and uh, you can you can kind of like try to airbrush them or oftentimes what I'll do is just take a rattle can, spray it in the cap and then brush it on by hand. But I prefer to put a little more white onto my decoys and cover up more of that red because I don't want I don't want the Tom that's approaching me to think that that the turkey that I am is super alert or super upset. I, I want it just to be a normal cast because that's what they're picking up on. You know, they always say don't three colors to, to avoid wearing when you're trickying is red, blue, and then white. So I don't want that Tom to see a lot of red in that Tom's decoy, the decoy that I'm behind, because I want him to see, oh, he's just a normal keel. He's not a fighter. He's not upset. You know, I'm coming in on his turf. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I must, I must be high alert all the time. Why you always flush? Small, upright, and swiveled. And <laughs> <laughs> stiff. You're always it's, hard as a yeah, rock. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, yeah, that, that's some good pointers that I didn't really know about the head color. I know I know when it seems like, um, just for me, it's when you get a, a turkey really worked up and he's gobbling a lot and not really coming in, his head's like really, really red. You know, he's just out mm-hmm. there hammering, 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 but he's not making any moves. Um, he, those seem to have like the reddest head. Um, and then it's so weird. Like when they see something and they start doing that, like, pit, pit, you know, deal and they kind of stick their head straight up, that color like kind of evaporates real quick and they're, Mm -hmm. they're kind of out of there, but it's crazy how they can change their head color. And I'm assuming it's gotta be some kind of blood flow or something that they got going on. Same way they can puff up their whole entire body and, and strut. Um, pretty unique feature, but okay, let's get into the setup of, you know, you've, you've, let's do, let's do it in two different, um, two different ways. Let's do it first. You've called a Turkey. You kind of know where he's at. Um, and you're going to make a move on him. And then let's do, you've located a Turkey in the field. How should I go about doing that? So let's break those up in two different sections. Yep. So they're getting back into what kind of like why I enjoy reaping turkey so much is uh, I'm, I'm an early riser. I, you know, I wake up at like three 28 every morning to go to the gym. So I'm not afraid to get up early, but when it comes to turkey hunting, you know, you know, you wake up early, you get up and set up in the dark. And, and sometimes like, it, especially if you didn't roost the turkeys, you're like, man, I am not where I need to be. And they start gobbling and you're already set up. And now it's almost, it, you know, they're awake, obviously, you can't really get close to them. So one of the nice things about reaping is if you you go out to the farm that you're on, but you just have to be within several hundred yards. So in the scenario A that you talked about, you're on the farm, you've got your reaping decoy, and you hear the turkey sounding off. Well, I usually wait until I know they're on the ground. And once they hit the ground, now the game is on. So then it's it's a matter, the number one factor for me when I'm reaping de- turkeys, whether it's, you know, scenario number two, or like you said, this scenario here, um, I, I just want to get visual eyes on them before they see me. That's hyper important, super important. So um, with Teddy, he's, he's big and he's hide to heart, hard, hard to hide, but you can kind of sneak around and I'm in my binos a ton trying to find those turkeys or I'm, I'm using cover as wherever I can to be able to, set Teddy, you know, 20 yards into the timber and, and me work my way out a little bit because I'm decked out in head to toe camo to see him. And once I have those turkeys found, especially early in the morning, usually they're not going to move very far. That's one of the really nice things about reaping them early. Uh, like I did this Saturday is that the hens are still pitching down and it's first thing in the morning. So a lot of times those hens are going to fly down into a field and dust off. And those toms are just going to be out there swirling. So is there a lot of eyes to mess with? For sure. But there's also kind of like that morning routine, morning ritual. And you also have, I feel like, some of the most fired up birds of the day, right when they land. So you get out to the farm, you hear them gobble, you wait for them to, to get onto the ground. And it's always better to wait longer than to go too soon. You know, you, you don't have to necessarily hear them fly out of the tree but you know kind of about when those turkeys typically fly down, 
right? It's, it's twilight. It's not, the sun hasn't come up yet. You know, it's not officially sunrise, but it's definitely not that shadow, shadow morning feel. So you, you wait for him to pitch down, you grab your reaper decoy and you've spotted them. Then it's a matter of just understanding your terrain. If there's ever a low lying ditch or a waterway or a, a hillside that I can use, that's my first thing that I'm going to do. Thank God turkeys can't win you because you don't even worry about that. You throw it out the window. And the, the biggest thing for me, whether scenario A or B, is that I want to get as close as I can to them before I present the decoy. 100%. It's not like I'm starting these reaps from a thousand yards away and I'm just walking behind the decoy. No, I want to get as close as I can to these turkeys before I present the decoy. So once I present the decoy, a couple really important things to note, whether you're using a fan, a shield, or a full-flown, you know, blown reaper decoy like what I have, is that you always want to be conscious of your body and you want to make sure that you never look over your decoy. So when I'm looking to take a peek at the birds, I'm usually peeking underneath the fan and between the wing. Or if I'm in a spot where I'm really tight, I'll actually take my fingers and open up a couple of the tail feathers and look through there. But you never want to create a weird profile because a turkey silhouette looks like a turkey silhouette. And if you look over the fan, you got to think your your head and your ball cap is going to be another six inches above your eyes. So you're going to give that really weird silhouette. You always want to make sure to peek to the sides. And I found that once I break that 150 yard mark, more times than not, I don't have to do anything else. Once I get inside that 150 yard bubble with my decoy, especially if it's within 150 yards, they don't see me until then. Boy, it's it's almost like a fight or flight response. Like you're almost, they're like, whoa, where did you come from? You're way too close. And and they'll do one of two things. They'll either like do the the walk hard strut in, you know, where they're like just coming in with authority, not charging, but you can tell they're on a mission. And they'll do like the three quarter to full strut, kind of just just boom, 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 marching in. Or they'll they'll do that for about 40 steps and then it like they just get madder with every step and all of a sudden they'll just they'll go out of strut and it's like velociraptors they'll run directly to you and and either or you're in the game man it's up to you when you when you shoot them at that point to me once a turkey's within 30 yards of my decoy and me especially if he's charging in like velociraptor run uh, you know you should be going home with him because at that point, man, you've got a, a, a shotgun that's probably lethal out to 40 yards. It's just a matter of when you want to take them. You know what I mean? Yeah, how close you want to let them get. You like to get them where you can ding there, grab them with your hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it was legal to hunt them with a samurai sword, I might. Yeah, yeah. you probably could have got that one last weekend. <laughs> Should have did a blow dart. You were close enough. That would have been legit. Yeah. No, that, that's Tim Wells' jam. Yeah. So, okay, so that's scenario one. Again, Go out to your property, you listen to them. Um, and, and the other thing is too, is that if you're, if you're a guy that wants to go out and try to reap, but you want to make sure that you get close, you can, I've done it where I literally, um, you know how guys will usually set up their decoys and a good rule of thumb is you don't want your decoys to be seen from the roost. Um, I've actually set up, like, let's say my birds are down in the bottom. I'm set up on a cove where they usually pitch down into or uh, where they'll come into the field and they'll see me, like my setup. I've actually just literally sat behind my decoy and waited for them to come into the field. So it's kind of like a hybrid reap slash decoy setup because I'm still waiting on them and I'll still call to them, do like a, you know, maybe some tree yelps or a cackle fly down because they're close enough to hear me. But when they get to into the field, I'm already behind Petty, right? So it's kind of like a, halfway reap setup. You can do that too in the morning. Yeah. I think the, you know, this scenario is the best case scenario. Cause with, with Teddy, with that style of decoy, you can use that as a stationary decoy and have really good success. But like in the case when we hunted, you know, if that bird wouldn't have come in and we could have located him, I could have snuck out there 15 yards, grabbed Teddy and went after him um, 100%. to those birds yep. that hang up. And especially those birds that hang up and kind of work away, but they're still gobbling. You know, you're like, okay, I'm losing this bird. You know what? And you're trying to, 
you know, call and get them excited and you, that never works. Um, but in this situation, you can sneak out there, grab that decoy and go after that turkey um, instead of just letting him walk away. Because like you said, they're most fired up in the morning and there's always that mid-morning cool down where, you know, a lot of people give up because the turkeys just kind of shut down and they're quiet. And then it seems like there's a pickup, you know, not, you know, mid-morning, There's a they start gobbling every now and then, maybe till you get lucky with a crow call or something. But the morning is the absolute best time to get them in general, in my opinion, unless the second scenario. Um, I think that probably works pretty good any time of the day, more probably mid-morning, late, when they're actually out there strutting and, and the hens are, are, you know, nesting. Is that correct? No, for sure. So... That's one of the reasons why I really like, even if I do set up with like, say somebody that wants to, here's an example, like Parker Olson. It's a kid I took out several years ago, youth to try to get him to kill his first Turkey. Um, was calling to Turkey. He had, has a big property. His family owns that he can hunt. And these turkeys were on the roost, probably four or 500 yards away. They pitched down and there's, there's one Tom and several gobbler or several hens and the hens saw the our setup, and they were like, you, you know, when you can just tell, like, those damn hens are keeping that tom away from us. Mm-hmm. That that's what it was. Like the hens made sure to get in between our spread and the tom, and they just kind of worked away. They probably got about a couple hundred yards. And I told Parker, I was like, dude, as soon as those turkeys go over that hill, like in the field, we're grabbing Teddy, and we're gonna run over there and and get them. And so it gives you the ability to both set up, but then also reap. So that's exactly what happened. We watched these turkeys and this Tom was on the outside of the group of the hens. The hens did exactly what they do and kind of blocked them off in between us. They went over the slight roll of the hill and then we stood up and we could still see him a little bit. And once we couldn't see him standing, grabbed Teddy. We literally jogged over through the cornfield and Parker come up over the rise and we were within a hundred yards of those turkeys. And man, it was instant. As soon as that Tom, cause I was staying back and I was filming Parker and I'm like, what's he doing? He's like, he's strutting, but he's facing away. I'm like, okay. I'm like, does a hen see you? And he's like, yep. Hen sees us. And then he's like, Oh, the Tom just saw us. I'm like, what's happening? He's like, he's running right towards me. And sure as shit. I mean, it, it's that bubble man. Right. So that Tom knew we were there. And then all of a sudden he's like, Hey, wait, you're trying to get my hens prompted that response a territorial response that tom charged into parker and he, he might be embarrassed if he listened to this podcast but he shot him and actually he was standing with his feet way too close because he was hiding behind the decoy you know and he he sat on his ass after he took a shot but he dumped that turkey so yeah that's it knocked to, him over that's easy yeah. to do man with those big shells you get mm-hmm. you get fired up off center but what a great way to not only like Turkey hunting's exciting enough, but for a guy that wants to get his first bird, for that be the way where you kind of went up there and stalked him, like man, that's he's hooked forever on just reaping. That's like you you keep telling me you got to reap one. I'm like after watching your video, I'm like I probably would like turkey hunting a lot more. If this is oh the, yeah, this is the way I hunted him <laughs> instead of the setup, wait for him to come in kind of thing. Um, it's like I said, it's really cool. But reaping, I think, is something that I'm I want to try for sure. So let's get let's get into the second scenario. You've seen the turkey out there, you know. Maybe you've glassed him up. You've been bouncing farms. He's out there. Um, uh, what what's your go to then? How are you going to approach that bird? Yep. So reaping really is is a great tool for just this. Like you hunted them off the roost. It didn't happen. They pitched down onto the neighbors. Whatever happened. Coyote ruined the hunt. You don't know. Um, it's it's always nice to have a couple extra properties. Never always is right. But I, that's when I let really the glass and, and my truck cover some ground for me. So I, I call them like a cheapie where I'm, I'm driving around, I'm glassing for those strutters that you see out in the fields. And once I found one that's on a property I can hunt, um, I almost I usually don't call to that turkey. So I, I've found him. He's, so, he's on a property I can hunt. Next goal is again, whether you know the farm or you're using Onyx, or maybe you take a couple little laps around the field with your truck, like from the road, and you figure out a way, okay, I can park park my truck here, get out, 
and walk this waterway or maybe behind the levee or use this timber to get around to get again as close as you can to that turkey or those group of turkeys as possible. Um, and once once I get to where I can't see the turkey yet because because there comes a, a point in time where like you're you're within let's say 250 yards of that turkey and you're even with camo the whole shebang you know better than to like try to just peek that's when I'll really utilize like my crow call and I'll try to get one to fire off. And, and usually you can only get away with it one or two times you get them to shot gobble with a crow call. But all I want to know is like, okay, he's still there, you know, in that field or in that pasture or on that dandelion flat, like he's still there. And then from there, once I got that audible response, I'll literally take my decoy and, and I walk straight towards him until the train prevents me from walking right so I'll be carrying the decoy up high I'm looking through the wings still and okay I'll catch some tail feathers or oh I'll see them and then I'll drop down to my knees so what does that do okay well the turkey then saw him and he because they've probably seen the decoy right because if I'm looking through the wing and tail fan that tail fan's sticking up a foot above me and so I'll drop down and now I'll start like <clears throat> maybe crouch walking or I'll start crawling a little bit until I can maintain a visual on that turkey and that being said it has happened before where like i've been walking with teddy and i see the turkeys and then i crouch down and then i come back up and they're 50 yards away and charging right like sometimes they they just it's instantly that fast so be ready for that when i start my reap if you will i always have my gun off my shoulder and I'll be carrying my shotgun usually with my, like, I'm right-handed. So I'll carry it with my right hand because sometimes, man, I mean, like I said, it's happened before where I'm like, oh, I'm like 300 yards away from these turkeys. I, I peeked up over a hill to see them and they saw me. And then I, you know, crouch back down to walk another 30 yards and look up and they're like, they're seconds from being on top of me. You know what I mean? But if that doesn't happen, you just, you keep working till you run out of terrain. And then once that's the case, then I'll get down onto my knees and literally I'll, I'll move the decoy one foot at a time. So I'll stay crouched down as tiny as I can, take my left hand, move the decoy forward a foot, and then scoot forward a foot. Look at the turkeys, move a foot, scooch forward a foot. And oftentimes, like I said, once you get within that 100-yard mark, those that tom or those group of toms will make a decision. And... And at that point, you stay put, you stay still. Once they've committed to your direction, whether it's that charge or the march, I just stay ready. I keep the gun down. A couple things to think about when you're reaping is that you have cover for most of your body, but, but not directly on the ground. So I'll just keep the gun by my side. And if you have the luxury to be able to like pull it up into your shoulder, maybe you can do that, but, but be careful with your movement. And then that's where like I was saying earlier, once they break that 30 yard mark, it, it's kind of, it's on you. You know, you can take them at any time then. And the biggest thing that I can tell you is that if they, if you get up to here, right, you found the turkeys, you got into position, you got within the 150 yard bubble, presented the decoy, and now they're coming. Um, when you go to swing your gun, do it fluidly like um a lot of people that i've taken to reap they they get super excited and they they like go super fast and so they'll take the shotgun and they'll like make a big fast sweeping motion over teddy and that almost always scares those turkeys where if you go slow like the turkeys and let's say he's 10 yards away he's right on top of you and you just go really slow you grab the gun you shoulder it, and you just push yourself out to the side of the decoy I almost guarantee that Tom will sit there and look at you and be like, what the heck is going on? But if you kind of boogeyman him, you know, where like you make this really hard, fast, abrupt movement, you're almost always going to prompt that kind of like, whoa, shit, what was that? But if you go slow and you just grab that shotgun and you move really nice and slow, they, they usually are they're taken back by a minute because you got to think they're focused on the decoy and they're like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? kind of the same way where like if you if you saw you walked past an alley and there is somebody in the back alley and he's walking towards you you might not be too scared but if you look down the alley and somebody's running at you you're gonna be like whoa what the heck is going on you know what i mean yeah 
So that's, yeah. that's what I got for you. Yeah, man. You're like I said, you've done it so many times. Um, for now I selfishly had this podcast, so I know what to do because, <laughs> because in my mind, I, you know, you wouldn't want to come up fast, but I could see going slow would be the best. But in your mind, you're like, man, can this turkey see me? Like, what? It's just so weird. Like, you're not a you're not a small man by any means, you know. And you're you're hidden behind that decoy. Um, you can get away with way more than you can't you think you can. And that's why I think going slow. Because I, I could see why someone's like, oh crap, he's close. I gotta do it now. Because they mm-hmm. don't think they can get away with you know hiding behind that thing. But I mean, you've had turkey steps from you. And them not yeah. spooked. They're just kind of like, you know, bobbing their head and stuff. And they really don't do anything until you bring the gun up. Um, Correct. So, uh, man, I really appreciate you coming on and going over this. I think this is a topic that people hear about, but no one really explains it very well. You know, you see videos of it, but no one's breaking down kind of step by step what they need to do. And uh, you've had multiple, multiple years and multiple kills of, of turkeys doing this this method, you know. Yeah. Well, one of the best things that, so Logan has reaped her tur- first turkey with me. Allie reaped her first turkey with me. And so have my buddies from Colorado. And one of the best things that I do um, to kind of show them, Hey, that to let them understand what they can get away with is put, have them stand like 20 yards away from me and I'll get behind Teddy and be like, Hey, you can't see my hands now. Nope. Nope. And then like, once I put my hands down, but you know, like where his feet are, then you can see him. Or like if I put him under his wing and it really kind of helps the hunter. Like if, if you're going to make a reaping decoy and you've got a buddy take turns, jumping behind it, you only have to do it once. And then it allows you to be like, Oh, okay. So as long as I'm behind the fan and the body of the decoy, which is pretty big, you can do all kinds of stuff, right? You can, you can pull the gun up. You can, call you can turn your phone on you can do all kinds of stuff there are a couple areas on the decoy that are that are no zones and it's really low and it's a and it's above the fan and it's to the side you know what i mean so yeah that's good advice too to just to kind of know where your limits are on the because you don't know kind of where your shoulder span is you know but if someone could say hey you're you know that's that's it right there you know you go another inch you're going to be making some movement so you can kind of draw a line on the decoy to know how small you need to be behind it. Um, but I'm excited, man. I'm going to, I'm going to see if we can try it out. I just don't have a decoy. Oh. I know a guy who's got a good one though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're, it's going to happen, brother. Don't you worry. Maybe we're if it don't happen this Teddy. year, it'll happen one year. It happened one year. You gave me the option this to, you know, this year, but I was like, it just happens to, I was like, birds right here, man. We can, cause you were like, man, if you grabbed him and went up that hill, it'd be game over. And, oh, uh, we, oh yeah. And I kind of knead up and I'm like, Oh, he's right here, dude, running in. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't got time. <laughs> we tried to make it happen, but we were uh, a couple minutes late, but you know, if he would have been hammering a little bit more, we kind of would have been able to have an idea how, if we would have had time or not made a move quicker, but, um, definitely something I want to, want to try. So I appreciate you coming on. And I know, um, I'm thinking of Thor down in Georgia. He's a huge turkey hunter and, and, uh, he's been, you know, struggling to kill a turkey here. So maybe this is something that he could try and, and have some good success. For sure, dude. And like, so real quick, I'll say this, like that scenario, what you just talked about is like my all time favorite. Um, and that's where my impatience sometimes can get the best of me. But when you have a turkey that's just gobbling his brains out and, and he just all by, you know, whatever he's got hens or what, for every reason, you know, we've all had those toms that are just hammering like every minute. That's my favorite turkey to reap because I can grab Teddy and I can literally go straight towards that bird and he's telling me exactly where he's at. Yeah. So um, if you guys do get into a reaping scenario or, or you have that hybrid decoy like what Teddy is, or I can set him out in the spread or I can run and grab him, like what you said, Cody, if that, that turkey that you killed first season, if he would have been gobbling more on his own, I would have told you grab Teddy walk over that short hill and kill him you know what i mean yeah. but we just he only gobbled a couple times so and we couldn't see him mm-hmm. so we didn't know where he was so it just it allows you to be aggressive and and the last thing that i'm i'll say this with with reaping decoys um or turkeys is just man you got to make sure you're safe i i would never do this on public ground uh, especially with a decoy like teddy because of how realistic he is 
you know, as long as you are confident that, that you're on property, that you have exclusive permission to be on, um, I wouldn't be trying to reap turkeys that are right on the fence line, um, you know, and and, and you, the listeners of your podcast are smart, common sense, good men and women, right? Uh, they know, like, if you find those that group that's in the middle of the field, that's pretty safe, you know, yeah. and when you're when you're doing this, just know you, there's there's horror stories out there where guys get shot doing this. And, and I haven't forbid. I hope it doesn't happen to anybody ever again. But just. Just be careful when you're doing it because you are essentially the decoy. Yeah, you know, 100%. You are the turkey. If yes. uh, I could see myself, I've done it in, like to myself in the past where you make a move on a turkey and you're like, ah, I'm leaving the decoys. I got to move now, you know. If you left yep. Teddy out there and then came back over the hill around and, you know, didn't you know didn't end up getting the bird and you seen that, you would duck down and be like, oh, crap, there's one right there. <laughs> it, would, yeah. it, it would get me for sure, man. I'd be like, oh, he's right there at our decoys. And I'd be like, ah, oh, shit, that's the decoy. Because I've done that with just, like, Jake decoys and stuff before. Like, come around the corner and I've left him out in a field and been hunting, you know, an hour somewhere else yeah. and see your decoys. And for a second, you're like, oh, shit. And then you're like, oh, no, that's my decoys. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, like I said, with the, the safety part's huge. If, if you're on a a piece with a bunch of guys you need to at least know kind of where they're at if you're going to be doing this or you know let the guys know hey i'm going to be reaping today if the birds are out in the field if you're hunting you know with a few buddies or something that are split up one thing about turkey hunting most of the time is as long as you don't have someone that's fence hopping um especially if they're in a field like you said you kind of see the birds and kind of know that okay it's safe but you know in a timber yes. situation reaping them could be pretty dangerous like you said especially if it's someone on the fence line and you got someone that you think might cross and they take a shot through the bushes or whatever and they can't see your big ass behind the decoy um <laughs> you, you never know man people been out partying all night <laughs> oh, they're like man that's a giant turkey about to kill the yeah. state record out here <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'll be picking bb's out of your ass yeah. for the next two weeks all right man well i appreciate you coming on and uh and sharing a little bit about turkey reaping with us not a problem dude Catch you later, man. Yep. All right, guys. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode on reaping. Um, if this is something you've wanted to try or thought about trying, hopefully there's something in this episode um, that can can help you get closer to it. This is a goal of mine now um, after seeing him doing it as well as a lot of other people do it year after year. Um, turkey hunting has kind of lost its uh, luster with me. Um, for some reason, I've just killed a lot of turkeys, and uh, it's um, it's always fun but it's more about the camaraderie of, of hunting with someone else. And that's kind of how turkey hunting is. Um, a lot of times you're hunting with a buddy or whatever, calling, working together. Um, but I think the reaping will bring a new light to it. And uh, I think it's something that for, for a young kid like mine, you know, to, to be able to do after he's got a couple birds down um, would be really cool to, to get my kids involved in it. So hopefully I can get good at it um, with Garrett's help. Um, and with some practice and then I'd be able to pass that down to my kids and that's something that they can do and be successful and, and have that, you know, exciting adventure in the outdoors, uh, what we want all of our kids to experience. Um, but like always, always try to do the right thing, guys. Um, I expect you to do the right thing until you come back next Wednesday and listen to the podcast again. Um, I love you. Appreciate you tuning in all the way to the end. Try to leave a legacy and why the legacy is out. So I'm coming in your ear holes next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central time. Thank you.